Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate, and the purpose of this podcast is to train, inform, and mentor appraisers of all ages, experience, and training levels, and educational backgrounds. This is another podcast on an area of real estate appraisal we generally do not cover in any depth in either QE or CE. With the materials we cover in this podcast, it is possible you'll be able to spend more time appraising and less time worrying about learning techniques and mastering protocols. That means you'll spend less time answering state appraisal board questions, client ROVs, and stupid stips from reviewers. Sounds pretty good, don't you think? Okay, let's get on with it. We call this one Using the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac definition of market value as a sales verification model. Appraisers need such a verification model. USPAP in Standard Rule 2-3 requires us to certify that the statements of fact in an appraisal report are both true and correct. This certification is part of every appraisal report that goes out the door. The only way to do this is to verify the data, and a verification model helps us meet the demands of that challenge. There is no specific verification model. The closest one we have is the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac definition of market value, which we'll go over in detail later in this podcast. There are at least four reasons we need a data verification model. The first is that we need to know which data to verify and why it is we verify them. Primarily, we verify market sales data. Our challenge is to provide the client with a credible opinion of market value. We verify those data, those market sales data, those market data, to make sure they meet the definition of market value. For example, to verify that the sale and purchase was arm's length. And the second reason appraisers need a verification model is simple. We need to know how to verify the data to show that the data we verify are relevant. As we go through the definition of market value, how to verify data will become clearer. Thirdly, we verify data to show that we know what is important to verify and what is trivial. For example, that a sale and purchase was arm's length is important to verify. That the seller gave the buyer the kitchen and laundry room appliances is trivial. Finally, the reason we need a verification model is that USPAP and the GSEs require verification. USPAP specifically requires that we certify that all statements of fact in the appraisal report are true and correct. The only way we can verify this is to properly verify the data behind the comparable sales. This is what the FHA Guide 4000.1 says, quote, The appraiser must independently verify and analyze all pending and recent sales of comparable properties, report how the sales were verified, and whether concessions were granted, unquote. In fact, the entire section of 4000.1 reads, quote, The appraiser must research, verify, analyze, and report any current contract for the subject property, 
any offering for sale of the subject property in the 12 months prior to the effective date of the appraisal. Any prior sales or transfers of the subject property for the three years prior to the effective date of the appraisal. And any prior sales or transfers of each comparable sale for the year prior to the date of each comparable sale. Unquote. This is what the Fannie Mae Sales Guide, Section B4 1.3-07, says about sources of verification data. Quote, data and verification sources for each comparable sale must be reported on the appraisal report form. Example of data sources include, but are not limited to, a multiple listing service, deed records, tax records, real estate agents, builders, appraisers, appraisers' files, and other third-party sources and vendors. The appraiser must state the specific data source, such as tax records or tax deeds, and refrain from using broad categories, such as merely the term public records. Data sources must be reliable sources for the area where the subject property is located. From the same section we read, The appraiser must verify the sales and financing data with a party that does not have a financial interest in the subject transaction. Unquote. But you ask, don't the buyer, seller, broker, etc. all have a financial interest in the subject transaction? This requirement generally refers to checking a copy of the recorded deed because, yes, the buyer, seller, etc. have a financial interest in the subject transaction, whereas the recorded deed does not. Therefore, this requirement refers to checking a copy of the recorded deed, even in non-disclosure states. The deed will testify to the fact that the sale took place, although not at the price it took place. We do this to verify the consideration on the deed and the actual purchase price from MLS, etc. are the same. If they're not, then we have the challenge of figuring out why there was a difference. Then we disclose this difference as well as our analysis of it to the client. I'm continuing to read from the Fannie Mae Sales Guide. Quote, Examples of verification sources include, but are not limited to, the buyer, seller, listing agent, selling agent, and closing documents in certain situations. Regardless of the sources used, there must be sufficient data to understand the conditions of sale, existence of financing concessions, physical characteristics of the subject property, and whether it was an arm's-length transaction, unquote. So what does USPAP say about verification? Traditionally, USPAP has chosen not to define the terms to verify, verification, verified, and so forth. Therefore, USPAP depends on standard definitions of these terms. Therefore, now we're going to look at some of those definitions. Black's Law Dictionary at page 1698 defines the verb to verify as, quote, to prove to be true to confirm or establish the truth or truthfulness of, to authenticate, unquote. In the sixth edition of the Dictionary of Real Estate Appraisal, at page 246, is its definition of verification, quote, In valuation practice, the process of validation or establishing the truth about information via another source, which is critical to credible assignment results, unquote. Then, that same source goes on to teach that, quote, 
A valuer may confirm information with a party knowledgeable about the property or the transaction involving the property or with another credible source in order to determine the reliability of that information for use in the assignment, unquote. Now, let's take a look at what 2024 USPAP says about our verification responsibilities. This, in part, is from SR 2-3, the Certification Standard Rule. Quote, I certify that, to the best of my knowledge and belief, the statements of fact contained in the report are true and correct. I have no bias with respect to the property that is the subject of this report or to the parties involved with this assignment, and my analyses, opinions, and conclusions were developed, and this report has been prepared in conformity with the uniform standards of professional appraisal practice, unquote. SR 1-4 teaches we appraisers will, quote, collect, verify, and analyze all information necessary for credible assignment results, unquote. So, you ask, how do I verify all that information? First, we go to the Fannie and Freddie default definition of market value. For simplicity's sake, we go to the Fannie Mae Selling Guide, section B4-1.1-01, to see the definition of market value. It is that definition that is the verification model. This is a long definition, so we are going to consider all of its components. According to the Fannie and Freddie definition, quote, Market value is the most probable price that a property should bring in a competitive and open market, unquote. Now, let's stop for a minute to consider that market value is the most probable price. It's not necessarily the price at which the property sold or its contract price. That's what we have to verify. Now, back to the definition, quote, under all conditions requisite to a fair sale, the buyer and seller each acting prudently, knowledgeably, and assuming the price is not affected by undue stimulus. Implicit in this definition is the consummation of a sale as of a specified date and the passing of title from seller to buyer under conditions whereby buyer and seller are typically motivated. Both parties are well-informed or well-advised, and each is acting in what they consider to be in their own best interest. A reasonable time is allowed for exposure in the open market, unquote. We're going to stop here for a minute. Nobody has a clue what, quote, a reasonable time, unquote, means. In an abnormally hot market, this literally may mean one open house on a Sunday afternoon in which four offers come in. Note the term, quote, exposure in the open market, unquote, does not limit itself solely and exclusively to exposure through the local MLS. Any medium by which the seller exposes the property to the open market is, quote, exposure in the open market, unquote. This could mean something no more complex than sending letters to neighbors soliciting offers. Okay, let's continue with the definition, quote, Payment is made in terms of cash in U.S. dollars or in terms of financial arrangements comparable thereto, and the price represents the normal consideration for the property sold unaffected by special or creative financing or sales concessions granted by anyone associated with the sale, unquote. 
After that, there's a long note to the definition we need to consider too. Here's the note, quote, Adjustments to the comparable sales must be made for special or creative financing or sales concessions, unquote. To choose to omit such adjustments when the market indicates they are necessary is potentially misleading. Black's Law Dictionary defines misleading as, quote, delusive, calculated to be misunderstood, unquote. In other words, to omit such adjustments when they are necessary misleads the client and intended users. It misleads them since they have the right to conclude we appraisers are sufficiently competent to complete the appraisal assignment credibly and communicate it non-misleadingly. How do we do that? We do it in compliance with our contractual and ethical obligations to do so. Note further, it's not the call of the client, the AMC, or the reviewer to tell the appraiser if and when cash equivalency adjustments are necessary and or proper under USPAP and all the selling guides which the reviewers should know. That latitude, that burden, is solely on the appraiser's shoulders. Now, let's get back to dissecting the note. Quote, no adjustments are necessary for those costs that are normally paid by sellers as a result of tradition or law in a market area. These costs are readily identifiable because the seller pays these costs in virtually all sales transactions. Unquote. It's time to stop again. This refers only to those times and circumstances in which the seller pays those costs and fees, etc., that the seller does not typically pay. It's only when the seller pays costs and fees the seller normally does not pay that we need to worry about cash equivalency. It is only when the seller inflates the purchase price to pay for the concessions the seller gives the buyer that we have to worry about them. Remember that this definition allows the purchase and sale of real property on a cash basis only. It does not allow the purchase and sale of the real property if any financing or sales concessions affected that price. Note this caveat as we go back to the text of the definition. Quote, special or creative financing adjustments can be made to the comparable property by comparisons to financing terms offered by a third-party institutional lender that is not already involved in the property or transaction, unquote. We got to stop again. In essence, here's what this means. If under the contract's provisions, the sellers would pay no more than its standard and typical closing costs, then cash equivalency is not an issue. If it's not an issue, there is no reason to make a cash equivalency adjustment. Remember, we appraisers are responsible for choosing to make or not to make any adjustment. The review appraiser does not have this responsibility nor latitude. To cede this responsibility to the reviewer, the AMC, the lender, the client, or to whomever is to abandon our ethical responsibilities to be independent, impartial, and objective. Now, back to the definition. Quote, Any cash equivalency adjustment should not be calculated on a mechanical dollar-for-dollar -dollar cost of the financing or concession. But the dollar amount of any adjustment should approximate the market's reaction to the financing or concessions based on the appraiser's judgment, unquote. Therefore, 
It's up to the appraiser, not the reviewer, not the AMC, not the client. It's up to the appraiser to judge the approximate quantity of the sales and or the financing adjustments. Therefore, it's up to the appraiser to have market support for those adjustments too. So how does the definition of market value act as a verification model? The components of the definition of market value give us the questions to ask to verify, to get at the truth of any individual transaction. Now, from the definition of market value, we have the relevant questions to ask. Now, we can put them to those who are in the position to answer them. This is in lieu of merely hoping the MLS is correct. It is common knowledge that those who enter data into the MLS are sometimes, how shall we say, casual about the accuracy of the data they enter. We must also understand the MLS exists to sell individual parcels of real estate. It does not exist to aid appraisers in their analyses of entire real estate markets. We use MLS data to aid us in meeting that challenge. But we must arrive at our conclusions independently, impartially, and objectively, any bias in the MLS data notwithstanding. That's why we verify it, to make sure we remove from it any bias, inaccuracies, or untruths. And to whom do we put these questions? Ideally, and when possible, we now know to ask these questions of buyers, sellers, brokers, lenders, builders, closing agents, attorneys, other appraisers, and so forth. These are those to whom we put the questions since they are the ones with the answers. And the proper answers are those that allow us to certify the statements of fact in the appraisal report are true and correct. When the data we employ are those of arm's-length transactions in a given market, then the answers we get from analyzing those data are a credible indication of the subject property's market value. And when we provide our clients with credible and market-supported answers, our clients are going to continue to use us rather than AVMs, evaluations, broker price opinions, and so forth. And you know what? That level of service, that broad scope of work, only appraisers can provide. This is something we appraisers can take all the way to the bank. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm using the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac definition of market value as a verification tool. If you have any questions, go to my website, please, the appraisers advocate. Contact me, Tim, theappraisersadvocate.com. Look for the Calendly function on my website and schedule a meeting with me. It will be an honor to work with you and a pleasure to know you. My best to you and yours. Be safe and well. Thanks. Oh, one more question. Why do the appraisers tend to look at appraisal solely from the forest's floor? And now we're clear.